Articulating one's point, this idea of finding this place that captures why you exist, the role that you want to play, the kind of environment you want to exist in, is actually not the hard part. I mean, it's all hard, but the hardest part is actually finding the motivation. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. I was planning on reading to you from the second chapter of my book, This Is It, which is all about why and how to live a more fulfilling life. And as I started reading the second chapter, recording the second chapter, I realized that it's fundamentally maybe just too much for an audio version. So I decided instead that I would paraphrase the second chapter for you on this talk. And the title of this talk is the same title as the chapter, which is the point is really the point. And the point of that is that I really believe that one of the biggest misses in our lives, not just lives as humans, lives as as countries, lives as companies, is a lack of intentionality. And I refer to it as the essentiality of intentionality. That if we don't define the point that we are trying to realize our ability to realize that point is basically null and void. I use weight loss as one example, which is if I wake up one day and say, you know, I need to lose some weight. My ability to lose that weight is pretty much negated by the inability to articulate how much weight it is I want to lose. But if I wake up one day and I decide I'm going to lose 10 pounds and all of a sudden I have a goal, all of a sudden I have a marker, something I can march to, something I can engage my progress against. And so the the need for intentionality, I think, in every aspect of our lives, from losing weight to realizing one's full potential, is really key. Another way to explain all that is that which is not measured cannot be improved upon, right? You can't make progress at something until you first decide what progress is and or what the goal line or the end state looks like. The lack of intentionality in our world is kind of crazy. I think about it in sort of every aspect of life, you know, as parents, I, I'm a parent, I have three, three kids and they're now in their late 20s. And I go back to when my now ex-wife and I were parenting them as little kids, and we never actually had a conversation about what our goals were for them. We weren't intentional about our parenting. Sure, we wanted them to be healthy. We wanted them to go to school and hopefully go to college. But that was pretty much the extent of our measure of success. Similarly, you look, I live in downtown Boston, and if you said to me, what is the intention of Boston? What is its vision? What is its long-term purpose? I, I don't actually have an answer for you. And the macro one, which I'm actually writing about in my second book, Working Title, Technology is Dead, is the intentionality of humanity. What constitutes success for our species? What constitutes human progress? What is the point? If, as this chapter in my book says, the point is really the point, then what is the point of us? And maybe the last one, which is probably for you, the biggest one is what's the point of your life? 
So as you look back on your deathbed, what is the measure of all that? What is it that you're after? I've come to realize that a good point, a good intention for a life is not a place. It's a way and it's a why. I want X so that I can realize why. And my point as an example is really about helping people by sharing what I've learned. You know, my, my journey has been a journey of, of discovery, of learning who I am, how I am, what I am, what I care about. It took me a long time to figure it out, but in figuring it out, I found solace, I found comfort, I found, I found joy in knowing that when I exit this earth, I will look back with, if not pride, appreciation for what I was able to become and what I was able to do in becoming that person. So what's your point or what's a good point? And in my book, I propose a calculation of sorts of formula and it has three variables. It starts with your passion, really the why of you. You know, if you look at yourself and you determine what is it that gets you going in the morning, evening and night, that's probably where your why, your why lives. So your passion plus your unique capacities, which think of that as the what of you, what are you uniquely capable at? And this does not need to be some hard skill or function. I think of my son, Emmett, who's just a really wonderful human being. His unique capacities are a combination of curiosity and empathy. And they come together in really interesting ways that, that enable him to, to, I think, realize some really interesting things. So again, your passion, the why of you, plus your unique capacities, the what of you, multiplied and I underscore multiplied by the desired nature of existence, your desired nature of existence, otherwise known as the how of you. I have come to believe that the how of us, the way it feels to be, to exist, to engage with the world, our families, our loved ones, our fellow workers, whatever it may be, how that all feels is as instrumental to our life satisfaction and gratification as anything else. So that's the formula to find your point. Now, the question is, well, how exactly do you realize that formula? What exactly do you have to do to fill in those blanks and figure it all out? I think the first task, if you will, is to let go of desperation. I think a lot of people, and this was certainly true of myself back in my, in my late 30s, were desperate to find my point desperate to find my purpose. And the problem with that is it creates negative noise in your own machine. And so your ability to find clarity in terms of the why of you, the what of you, and the how of you, I think is actually diminished by the level of desperation within you. It, it reminds me years ago, I had a girlfriend. It wasn't a girlfriend. She was a girlfriend who was lovely and charming and whatever. And, but had not had a lot of success on the dating front and was getting older and increasingly, shall I say, desperate in terms of finding her quote unquote betrothed and really wanting to have kids from that uh, relationship. And for her, the level of desperation was so profound that I'm convinced it became a negative energy field around her that caused her struggles to find the right person to be even greater than they needed to be. And I think the same is true here, that finding your point, finding the intention of your life will be made a lot easier. It won't be necessarily easy, but it will be made a lot easier if you can somehow let go of desperation, become content with your reality, and maybe even positive about the journey ahead. 
replace desperation with aspiration. The second suggestion I would make, also fairly broad in context, is the idea of being really open to experience. One of the things that I I think vexes humankind is that we don't really know what we need to know, and we don't acknowledge that we don't know what we need to know. And so for somebody who is trying to find a new path, a new way, articulate their point for the first time, I think it's imperative that we open up our eyes, open up our hearts, open up our ears, and open up our physical experiences to realize all new kinds of adventures, all new kinds of people, all new kinds of situations, because it's only an exposure to the new that we begin to realize who we are, how we are, what we want. You know, we begin to see facets of ourselves that potentially we never saw before. Now, being open to experience requires probably one of the hardest things we can do, and that is to let go of fear. The majority of us, maybe not all of us, I think walk the earth with some level of fear. Fear of exposure, fear of being found out, fear of being hurt, fear of fear of all sorts of things. The problem with fear is besides the fact that it makes us feel fearful, which is an unpleasant feeling, is it gets in the way of so many things, particularly experience. You know, walking across the street to engage with something that you've never engaged with before is a fearful, fearful thing. But my experience with fear is that when you do make the choice of not succumbing to fear and instead embracing courage and walking across that street, my experience is 99.999% of the time, you look back and go, well, that wasn't so bad. And in fact, I'm so glad I did that because in doing that, I just made a new friend. I just experienced a new thing. I just realized something about myself that potentially can contribute to my articulation of my point and how I want to live the rest of my life. I think a subset of letting go of fear, an enabling subset is the idea of practicing taking risk. I mean, there are all... There are all different kinds of risk opportunities in our lives. You know, my favorite is the risk around gently confronting our loved one about something that we want or something that he or she did that upset us or something about the domestic situation and how we want to improve it. Like that's one example of risk taking. Another one is we can learn to pay marjong. Another one is we can just decide to buy a guitar and learn how to play the guitar. Another one is speaking to a stranger on the street. There are all kinds of risks around us that are little, and but I think in perpetrating them and taking them on, we effectively build our muscle for risk-taking. We build our capacity to let go of fear. And in, in doing all that, we open ourselves up to experience and opening ourselves up to experience. We begin to see, realize facets of ourself that ultimately, as I said, contribute to the articulation or the determination of our point. The fourth area for your consideration is up there with letting go of fear. And that is watching yourself. You know, they, there's this thing called introspection. And I think some percentage of people actually aren't introspective at all. And that's, that's fine. I, I respect that. But I think if you really want to find the truth of you, you really want to articulate the future of you. You want to put a stake in the ground on what it is you're after. I think you have to know you. And one way to know you is to observe you without condition, without judgment, to simply observe your actions, your reactions, your behaviors, your feelings, 
your decision-making and to observe it in a way to learn both who you are, to learn maybe where some frailties are, maybe some, dare I say, weaknesses, but without judgment, and to really get a handle on the part of you that you want to hold up and the part of you that you want to maybe hold, not down, but get better at, and the part of you that you want to realize. Again, your ability to get to where you want to get to is in part predicated on understanding where you are today. And that, that's true of any undertaking. So getting really good at watching yourself. You know, I've, I've described my life over the last 40 years as in the first 20 years, I could not feel. In the second 10 years, I learned how to feel. And in the last 10 years, now 20 years, I've learned how to feel my feelings. I think one of my greatest capacities as a human is the ability to watch myself, to feel myself, to accept myself, and to learn from myself. The dark and the light, the up and the down, the good and the bad, all is learning to inform my intention, to inform my point, to inform my ability to realize my potential. Another sidebar to this one of, of understanding self, watching self, learning self, is the ability to tap into your friends. I mean, it's really quite remarkable what happens when you turn to a friend and you say to them, who am I? In your eyes, in your heart, in your brain, who am I? How am I? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my opportunities? We don't ask those questions very often. And I guarantee you, if you have the courage, this goes back to fear and courage, if you have the courage to do it, you will be blown away at what your friends have to say. And I think you will also be surprised at how uniform the feedback is. If you ask three of your friends, who am I? How am I? What am I? What are my strengths? What are my opportunities for growth? Again, I think you will be blown away at the consistency of the response and how helpful that response will be. Another piece of this whole proposition, which sounds maybe trite and even bureaucratic, but I think is just as important, is the idea that documentation is commitment. You know, all the words that I've just said over the last nine minutes or whatever it is, really are going in one ear and potentially out the other. And it's not until we put pen to paper or type on a keyboard that the words really become, call it sacrosanct, codified, real. And so if you are really interested in creating your point, your life point, your point as a parent, your point as an employee, your point as a leader, I would suggest to you it's imperative that you you document your ideas, document your your aspirations, document what it is you're after. Documentation is commitment. Absent writing it down, I think it's it's just ethereal in, as I said, in one ear, out the other. You know, two ways you can do this in the in the in the quest to articulate your point, articulate your intention. One is to write a vision statement. And by the way, for those of you who are parents, I really encourage this, you and your significant other, if you're partnered, sitting down together and articulating your vision for your children. What is it you want them to become? What values, beliefs, morals do you want them to have? And then out of that vision statement discussion, you know, what can you do? What the, can their grandparents do? What can their teachers do in support of that outcome? Another great technique, not my idea at all, is the idea of a vision board, cutting out, assuming you still have printed magazines around the house, cutting out imagery and words that call to you in terms of the kind of 
aspiration you have for yourself, the kind of outcome that you're after for yourself or your, your partnership or your family, or even your company for that matter. And I'll just conclude with this one, which is articulating one's point, this idea of finding this place that captures why you exist, the role that you want to play, the kind of environment you want to exist in is actually not the hard part. I mean, it's all hard, but the hardest part is actually finding the motivation. Because at the end of the day, the point that you articulate is change. It's different probably from what it is you do today. And to affect that change, to realize that point will require different behaviors on your part. You don't just realize the point because you've articulated the point. You work towards it. And the biggest part of the work is behavioral. And that really gets to the final piece of the equation, which is in order to get to where you want to get to, it likely requires, and I hate to say this, but it's true, sacrifice. To get, you got to give. To go somewhere different, you got to give something up. And that requires courage, you know, that, you know, I've I've said this before in other talks, it all, it all boils down to picking courage over fear. But the hope is that the motivation of the point is so great, so profound, so exciting that you're willing to make the sacrifice to realize it. And my hope, my hope is that is true. And I guess the last, last thing I say to you is you're not alone. I think for all of us, to realize the truth of who we are, the capabilities, whether as parents or as individuals, as partners, doesn't matter, to realize our capabilities, our capacities, our full potential in those relative or respective roles, we're not alone. There are many around us who are here to help, and you can include me in that number. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening today. If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful. You can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons that are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about to be published book, Technology is Dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today, and I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.